Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. We live in a world of fees. Airlines, hotels, food delivery, and especially car dealers all charge excessive last-minute fees. When you want something badly enough, it feels like your only choice is to pay up. But what if you had a choice to take a stand instead? At Carvana, we believe in treating you better. With zero hidden fees, you can drive off without feeling ripped off. That's what it means to live fearlessly with Carvana. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The breakfast stampede meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba da ba ba ba. Sundays in the CW, brace yourself, superhero fans, because the bat signal is on and you won't believe who's swooping in to heed the call. From the brilliant mind of Greg Berlanti and the executive producers of superhero smash hits Arrow, The Flash, Supergirl, and Legends of Tomorrow comes the most anticipated new series to join the CW-verse, Batwoman. Get ready to meet your new hero, Kate Kane. She's a survivor, a fighter, an all-around badass who plays by her own rules, and she's got the ink to prove it. Batwoman's story begins three years after the mysterious disappearance of Batman, when Gotham City is in desperate need of a new kind of hero. Soon after returning home to Defender City from the notorious Twisted Alice in Wonderland gang, she discovers her cousin, Bruce Wayne's mysterious lair, and his unbelievable secret. With the help of Batman's trusted tech genius Luke, she decides to carry on Batman's mission by becoming Gotham City's new superhero vigilante. From the suit to the gadgets to the fight scenes that will blow your mind, this is the Batwoman of a new generation. Don't miss the incredible series premiere of Batwoman Sunday at 8, 7 central on The CW or stream next day on the free CW app. It's that little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Size Heroes number 22, pre-New York Comic Con edition. We are filming real early this week because I'm getting on a plane. My name is Amy Dallin. I'm Cordron Drew. And welcome back to uh, Collider Heroes Giant Size. 
But we did do this in time to see the Kingsman trailer while we have not seen the uh, Birds of Prey trailer. So we're in that sweet – so you know where we're living yes, in look time. At us. We have not yet seen Birds of Prey. I am now counting the minutes. Uh, you will know by the time you're listening to this whether I uh, – my head literally exploded when that trailer came out. We're, we're living in that space in time right now betwixt Amy possibly exploding <laughs> with pure zeal on the way to New York, New York on a plane. Uh, I hope the Wi-Fi is good in the flight because otherwise she is watching that two and a half minutes over the course of two and a half hours. Shouting at everyone on the plane to be like, who was the crazy lady who really loves Birds of Prey for some reason? Those, those hyenas and Harley made her very happy. She'd be yelling about hyenas and Harley. I don't know what it means. Hyenas on the plane. What is happening? Love when your giant size heroes. Yeah, Where hyenas we do. on the plane is canon. Uh, in fact, have uh, a Kingsman trailer. And by Kingsman, I mean... The King's Man. And oh, is it glorious. Uh, <laughs> I'm a giant Matt Vaughn fan, and he, to me, has done no wrong. I didn't like Kingsman 2 as much as Kingsman 1, but that's his biggest misstep to me. Uh, Layer Cake is incredible. X-Men First Class is probably the closest to being an X-Men movie we've had. Mm. Uh, I do like me some Days of Future Past, but boy, oh boy, does Kitty Pride not have psychic abilities. So, well, uh, yeah. so X-Men First Class, to uh. me, is the closest we've gotten to an X-Men movie. Despite, and that is I Matt mean, Vaughn. look... L- it's not like that movie's super faithful to canon. It's just fabulous. It's just fabulous, and the it, the choices it makes make sense. Like most of them, I mean, comparatively, look, review the Hellfire Club, right? But on the other hand, Young Charles and Magneto so perfect that they actually extend past themselves and make other things perfect. They change the entire shape of that series with one movie because of Matt Vaughn, yeah. uh, in, in part Matt Vaughn. Uh, I love his directing style. I love the flavor of his movies. And man, does this trailer capture that insane kinetic energy. Uh, if you guys don't know me, why are you watching the show? Uh, my energy is <laughs> they zealous. They are watching. It's a podcast. It's a video in here. Coy points He's pointing ahead. to his head. <laughs> I'll just start captioning. It's fine. (laughs) So you know Amy and I, and if you know Amy and I, you know I like lots of energy. And Matt Vaughn is, man, is that guy kinetic in his flavor and his visuals, which are very useful on podcasts. Uh, no, but the trailer does look fabulous. It's a, a World War One origin story for the Kingsmen. Uh, I will admit that I never actually caught the second one. Okay. It's uh, not as – I mean it's good. It's just not as good. The first one's really special. The first one has some incredible stuff. Like there's a couple moments in that first one that I'm like, what? But the rest of it is so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm hoping that is the Matt Vaughn who showed up to just have – you know, I'm about to say the phrase, have some fun in World War I. Uh, uh, you know, I'm not sure they did a lot words. of that. But, you know, it looks like some fun set within World War I. <laughs> uh, and yeah. it's rough finds. Like, that man can do no wrong. I just, I'm very excited about all of this. Uh, and it's really cool also that we're getting another comic movie that a lot of people won't realize is a comic book movie. And at this point, it's just like Matt Von, Matthew Vaughn being like, here's what I'm doing with this property. Like, they've... But it is interesting to see as as we look forward to all the Mark Miller stuff that's theoretically hitting Netflix uh, once they get through all of these various deals. These are the fruits of those various uh, seeds that were planted uh, in all of his miniseries. I think originally at Icon – uh, when I he was, so. Yeah, the creator-owned arm of Marvel back when he was at Marvel, like tracing the Mark Miller timeline backwards mm-hmm. uh, to get to where all this stuff is coming from is sort of amazing because this is – this kind of 
have fun, pay tribute to it, but grow it into something else and everybody's cool with that because there's not a specific 75-year history that you are changing when you do it, I'm happy this movie exists. I want to see Matt Vaughn in the MCU. I love that he did X-Men and like he also has done comic movies almost from the jump. He did Layer Cake and then he went right to Stardust, which is a Neil Gaiman. And I then forgot he did Stardust. He did Stardust. Oh, so his second movie was a comic book movie and he stayed there. He's done Kingsman, he's done uh, Kick-Ass, and he's done Stardust. He's lived in comics this whole time. I would love to see him handle uh, some MCU. That would be really fun. Matthew Vaughn, do the flashback uh, Lady Constantine part of Sandman. Ooh. That's what I want. Pop over to the TV world. Uh, just for that little bit, you know Neil Gaiman, you can make it happen. What would I want to see? I would not mind a a team movie because he's so good at teams. I would love – I mean his Fantastic Four would be insane, like a 60s set. <laughs> like set it in the 60s, have the whole team, have all that energy. I don't know if it's the right tone, but man, would I want that. Uh, yeah. OK. What else? Yeah, that. I'm going to stick with that. Okay. Uh, we also – I'm sorry I got derailed. My no. brain was very excited about it's, where that could go. This is what Giant Size is for. It's for me getting derailed and Amy going, now, Coy, they can't see you. They can't see well, you. Well, you know, I forget to. <laughs> I do a lot of shrugging and nodding. It's, we're <laughs> professionals. Thank you for listening to our podcast. <laughs> uh, speaking of professionals, we have a veteran producer signing on to Venom 2. Uh, I don't know – it's tough to say, like, because I've, I've been doing this for a couple of years now, but there are so many ingredients that go into behind the scenes. It's hard to say, like, how much of a story is this? Uh, but Hutch Parker, a producer of Logan and a lot of the other Fox X-Men stuff, some of those being our favorites and some of those being our less favorites, uh, has signed on to Venom 2. Uh, just an interesting addition to the, the comic book filmmaking soup that they've got going on for Venom 2. Yeah, I'm really curious with uh, the new director, Andy Serkis, with uh, another producer brought on and with the third act being probably, you know, the, 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 the more universally accepted part of the movie people liked once he was fully just madness and venom. Uh, I'm really excited for Venom 2 to be from that jumping on point. I hope they learn from that, some of the mistakes and, and bring in the right people. And I'm, I'm, I mean, you guys know I love Venom, so I'm excited. All right. So some of this we touched on this week. Uh, we've found out apparently we're getting a Madam Web movie, which uh, I'm just so fascinated about this this Sony universe that they're setting up around Spider-Man with him not necessarily in them. Very curious where that's all going. I think he's in them now. I think, Is he? I, I think after You think the, he's in Morbius? I think after Spider-Man 3 uh, and all this madness around it, Spider-Man's going to start to be in the Sony stuff because they're like, okay, we've given you your time, Marvel. I think – What do you think is the first non-Peter Parker starring movie that Tom Holland is in for Sony? Is it Madam Web? I think it's Venom 2. Okay. I think I think I don't think that's the big like brawl, but I think that Peter Parker or Spider Man shows up in a small capacity. Okay, which leads to an actual Venom Spider Man movie. But I think I think Spider Man is a is a presence. Be weird. I Venom's mean, whole story has nothing to do with being jealous or having any relationship to Peter. Yeah, the jilted lover without the lover is very tricky. But now that he's over at Sony again, I think they're going to do it. Or by the time they make the Venom. Spider-Man thing. It's a different character, like Miles. Even weirder. I mean, it's going to get weird, but it's, it's something's got to happen. There's no way forever they don't use Spider-Man and Venom. And there's no way forever they have this Spider-Man universe without Spider-Man in it. Like, they won't keep doing that. 
I am curious because uh, like Morbius fits in with this idea that uh, that I've had since deciding that Venom was a universal monster movie. Uh, like Morbius fits very neatly into that, and I wonder if Madame Web ends up being some like different take on like they're just secretly making a bunch of interesting teen horror films. Yeah, uh, that like are loosely connected to the idea of a Spider Man, uh, and then maybe Carrion. they'll just let them all stand alone. I don't know. Carrion would work there. Venom would work there. Uh, Vermin, I mean, Vermin would work there. You could have a lot of like horror. Spidey, there's your Sinister Six, but it's like Dark Avengers. This is how in 50 years we end up with like a weird Friday the 13th style. There have been 13 killer Green Goblin movies. Who saw that coming? That was a bold choice, and I'm not mad at it. It was weird. It was definitely <laughs> weird. Why is Spider-Man in a horror movie? Well, Tom Holland turned 30, and they thought it was time. <laughs> It'll be like a, a trivia thing for, for the next generation. Will it be like, did you know originally these were all Spider-Man backup characters? Craven's Last Hunt is actually as dark as the book. They, they go all the way. <laughs> It's weird that there were 45 minutes of that movie in a coffin. Uh. It's just really sad that they made that buried crossover with Spider-Man. It was really <laughs> dark, that whole sequence. When that Spider-Man villain killed himself on camera, it was very alarming. Oh, uh, here's what you do. You just make the Jackal the bad guy, and it's all random clone nonsense. Oh, that'd be just amazing. go with it. Go you go for full it. Cronenberg and do like a like a clone <laughs> movie? Like a body the horror clone movie? Yeah. Go. And you just have Ben Riley melting before our eyes. We've lost our minds. Yep, uh, guys, Giant Size is back on track, questionably. <laughs> Uh, next one, I put down Kevin Feige talking about Star Wars just because I'm excited. And here is, okay, so I can say this to you in the privacy of this podcast, which as we've determined is only a conversation between us that certainly none of the rest of you were hearing. No one's hearing Here this. is my thing I don't want to say out loud, but is absolutely true. She's about to say it out loud. Kevin Feige deserves a chance to work on stuff that isn't the Marvel Universe, even though I want him to spend the rest <gasps> of his life doing the MCU. You're not wrong. I feel really bad about it, but like he's done the thing. He's he done. has done what he could rest on this if he wanted to do for the rest of his life, and he deserves to get to make lots of different kinds of stories. Now, I hope, I hope that deep inside Kevin Feige, he's like, <laughs> are you kidding? I am never letting go of the MCU. I'm literally going to run it until I can't work anymore. Like, I hope that that is as fulfilling for him as it would be for the rest of us, mm-hmm. but I am preparing my heart for the idea that he is a human being who is an artist and probably wants to do a lot of different things during his life. Now, granted, he's having his cake and eating it by making lots of different movies within the Marvel Universe. True. Uh, but, like, I don't know. That's just my, like, well, this announcement came through and I was like, Kevin Feige deserves to make a Star Wars if he wants to make a Star Wars. He's a giant Star Wars fan, and the movies show that, but he also personally is a giant Star Wars fan. I've heard in interviews and things, so I'm really happy that he gets to live that dream because so many people would, like, it's so many people's dreams making a Star Wars movie, and after 23 movies, the man has earned that dream. Uh, so this excited me as well, and uh, I think it definitely falls under the hero's purview because Kevin Feige's a goddamn hero. Um, <laughs> so I really am excited to hear what take he has on the Star Wars universe, what story he decides to tell. Uh, I think he is someone that builds universes really well, and Star Wars is going to need a shepherd of sorts after the episode nine. So I'm, I'm wondering what capacity he's in, if he's actually a bigger part of what's, what's next. There are rumors running that, like, they might, you know, he might help shepherd more stuff. They they have a team over there, uh, and we know that they're doing some restructuring after Solo coming out six months later. Uh, would, uh, that, that, you know, didn't go the way they hoped it would. Mm-hmm. It is, you know... Too early to say what that could all lead to, but the fact that, like, they must be having so many meetings right now about being like, this is the Disney family. They're in every announcement side by side with Star Wars because of Disney+. Plus. Yeah. I'm sure they are all checking in on what everyone else is doing, and hopefully it all cross-pollinates into wonderful creative stuff, and someday we tell 
like cool old stories about back in the days of the Disney family when they were just hopping over to each other's rooms to see what was going on. Like that, but with millions of dollars. I mean, I'm personally very excited for the Madame Web Emperor Palpatine romance film. Oh my god. I'm very excited to see what that even is. Like it's like the notebook for super powered elderly. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Universe hopping cocoon style reclaim your youth story I, the featuring inter- interdimensional Madame Web it's gonna be stabbing <laughs> Palpatine when she figures out he's a real Jerk, which, Played by Helmiron. Side note: There's okay. Look, who else you want to? If, we're not going into the prequels, but Palpatine is the most obviously evil person of in, all time. Of all time, he, even in the prequels. Yes, even in the prequels. The instant you meet him, he's a bad guy. So menacing. He's a bad guy. I would say the real world is bearing out that occasionally, when someone seems like a horrible megalomaniac, the mm. truth turns out to be that they're a horrible megalomaniac. It's real. Uh, it's a problem. Maybe maybe go with some instincts. <laughs> Uh, I, who else would you want to? Th- I, it's never going to happen. This is all in jest. We're I do making not. This up. I don't off. want the Marvel Universe to collide with Star Wars. I don't want it. Straight up. Uh, I don't think I'm giving you a suspicious look on account of how you're probably right. But come on, we would I both show up for that. I mean, I'd show up, but I would be like, this desecrates two fandoms oh, because yeah. like it sullies a lot. You got to do it on what if or something. Yeah, but like like Patton Oswalt, his his crazy uh, yeah. filibuster, like that can only exist. This is in a piece jest. of film that you might have seen. It's a. Uh, it was from Parks and Rec, right? Yes. Um, I love the is... idea that you think Parks and Rec is shot on film. That just made me very happy. Well, sorry. It's <laughs> from a piece of videoed material. I don't know. I words. shouldn't have called you out. I shouldn't have. No, you're I just, right. You're I right. like the idea of like three cameras set up with these giant so, film cameras. A little known cinema uh, oh, work oh. known as uh, Parks and Rec <laughs> where he cut up and did what we refer to as an improvised speech uh, in a town council meeting <laughs> before this acquisition happened that is now the most hilarious in hindsight thing to ever happen. Because it's, you, it's getting more and more real every year. And yeah. like the poster is now um, with Kevin Feige. Now it's even closer to real. <laughs> uh, but I'd watch Thanos and Vader fight. It'd, yeah. be, it'd be real dumb, but I'm there. That would be very strange. I want to see Uncle Ben and Yoda sharing advice. <laughs> Oh, Ghost Uncle Ben. Uncle Ben is definitely the is He's the Yoda of the ghost. Spider-Man. Yeah, the Force Ghost Uncle Ben, Force Ghost Yoda. Mm. Or... Force Ghost Uncle Ben, and wait for it, Force Ghost Uncle Ben. Isn't Luke's Uncle Ben? Oh, my God. Owen and Baru. Ben Kenobi is his, like, fake uncle. Right, but, like, he's an Uncle Ben. He's an Uncle Ben. So, Uncle Ben, Ewan McGregor. Wow. Ewan McGregor is an Uncle Ben. We just Marthaed the MC Star Wars universe. I have an Uncle Ben. We're friends now. We have Uncle Bens. Peter Parker and Luke Skywalker can team up and have Uncle Bens together. And they can eat Uncle Ben rice while reminiscing about <laughs> Uncle Ben. Guys, what did we eat today? I don't know today? what's going what on. What is today's episode? We, we're filming on an unusual day and we've <laughs> completely it's lost our minds. It's clearly affected us. Uh, so we do have more things to talk about. Uh, speaking of very strange like crossovers, uh, we have James Gunn popping universes to make a Suicide Squad movie. He's just sent uh, send out... A, Honestly, I just wanted to talk about this cute picture that he sent out because they he went to a Joker screening with a bunch of the cast from Suicide Squad. Um, and we are going to get to – I mean, let's just move it to here. I put it lower <laughs> under real life slash fandom. Uh, James Gunn has the best thread ever. By the time you're hearing this, you may have seen it because we have all been sharing it like mad. Uh, but can we just take a moment to listen to some words of wisdom from James Gunn? Yes. Starting production on The Suicide Squad, I received perhaps the coolest and sweetest start of production gift ever, along with a note of how excited they are for the movie from Kevin, Lou, Victoria, Mary, and Jonathan at Marvel Studios. Uh, that's Victoria Alonso. That's Kevin Feige. This is the producing team over at Marvel Studios. Um, James Gunn shared pictures of 
this incredibly adorable Guardians scrapbook. So he says, They made me this incredible scrapbook of our journey so far in Guardians of the Galaxy. It's a thick tome packed with memories that brought a tear to my eye. As I've said so many times, at the end of the day, Marvel and DC fans have a lot more in common than they do not. I am now and have been for almost all my life both. Maybe you like more maybe you like one more than the other. That's cool, but that doesn't mean you can't enjoy them all or that you have to tear the other down. I know I and my partners at both Marvel and DC believe what's good for one studio is generally good for all, spurring each other on daily with heartfelt, spectacular and innovative entertainment that keeps audiences around the world loving movies based on or inspired by sequential art. Hashtag Marvel, hashtag DC. Let's go, teams. Yeah. I mean, it's so beautiful. I I mean, it's what we preach. I love that James Gunn is like he's got a giant audience to preach it. But like it is we're all comic fans. And just by clicking on the last one to make sure I had seen the end of this thread, I have now seen that The Rock answered him. Yes. What oh, happened? my God. Well done, brother. And looking forward to seeing your next swing. Rooting you, rooting you on. You already know. Baby, I love you. Just leave me the heck alone. Go get him. <laughs> I love The Rock so much. I edited that one slightly because I didn't read it in advance. Uh, but He's the best of us. Um, yeah, so I just thought that was really, really beautiful because he's just right about all of that. Yeah, and the fact that we get to have all these comic book movies, it's so silly that there's a rivalry. Like, it's it just hurts us. Why not all be very happy? The the I'm so – and this is a slight derailment into the negative, but it's going to come back to the positive. The amount of Joker negativity has been so insane and the amount of people that are like – people are only mad because it's a DC film. I keep being like, who? Who is like I'm upset because it's a DC film? They, they're, they're causing a rift with Marvel and DC over something that has nothing to do with the conversation. See, this is an interesting thing to me because I, I saw a post of yours about being tired of negativity when so people tired. hadn't seen it yet. But I have sort of the opposite feeling where like uh, a post that I saw going around was very much uh, a different person who was sort of like, here are the reasons that I have reservations about this film and it doesn't look like it might interest me. And other folks are responding to that sentiment as if that is trying to petition for it to be canceled when they're just like, here are the reasons I'm not interested, which Mm -hmm. is not – it, which is a perfectly valid way to feel about something. If yeah. you're like, this does not look interesting to me for whatever reason. Like, but that's I, a reasonable reaction. I don't, I don't reaction. walk around going like, man, I think golf's boring. Like, why would I aggressively stop someone from enjoying something? Like, I'm not tweeting like 10 reasons I don't like golf. I mean, there's a difference between saying if someone isn't interested in an upcoming film and they say so on their own Twitter feed mm-hmm. where they typically talk about similar stuff, I don't think that's a direct attack. But it's gotten to the point of it's every conversation about the Joker is trying to make it something it's not. Like every every conversation about the Joker is... Well, first of all, we don't know what it is yet because neither of us have seen it. That's what I'm saying. It's like everyone's assuming... And well, we of... still get to have opinions on them deciding which film to make and which approach to take and how they're discussing it and how they're marketing it. That's all stuff that's valid to have an opinion on. But if it clouds the... Like the movie hasn't been released and it feels like every week is two months. Like, Every every week, there's just so much negativity surrounding a movie that no one, most people haven't seen. There haven't been a lot of press screenings. People are acting like thousands of people have seen it. It's not out until this week. Like now, when you're listening to this, you can go see it. But it's not out until now. But I worry that all the fan entitlement will cloud what decisions people make with movies going forward. Like I I, I have not enjoyed any of the lead up to the Joker because of people, and it's a movie that is going to give more art credence to movies like this. We hope. Uh, it. So 
We have to circle back to this conversation once we have seen it because I do have a lot of questions. I do think it's valid to have an opinion on which movie they decided to make and which approach they take and how they talk about things. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Todd Phillips is taking an attitude toward talking about comic book source material that uh, is a striking choice. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, so I don't agree with a lot of what he's saying. Um, I mean, a lot of what he's saying. But I do agree with some of what he's saying. I think the far right and the far left have decided to make themselves villains. Like, we are actively supervillains at all times because we have to either be outrageously offended or outrageously mad at those offended. Like, the internet is so exhausting because everyone's mad at nothing. And everything at once. See, that's my like. You, uh, no one is asking anyone to be outraged. Having a reaction to something is having a reaction to something. I I don't think anyone is going looking for anything. Oh, I think people are actively seeking outrage. I think I think. Most, Have you met any? Uh, Eddie. Who's Eddie? Met any. Oh. Sorry. No, sorry. Uh, <laughs> sorry, had, anyone named Eddie who's listening had, to this right now. I'm not trying to like, slander I thought there was you. someone in the office no. like, have you met like Eddie? Singer? He's always yeah. mad. Have you met Eddie? Uh, no, I I've just, met like everyone with the Dave Chappelle comedy special, everyone with any comedy special, everyone mm, that's like – That's a whole can of worms, Coy. I just – I'm so sick of people not letting comedy be comedy. I'm so sick of people not letting art be art. I'm so sick of like – Coy, you know for a fact that it's more complicated oh, than that. it's way that. more complicated, but it is at the end of the day someone's opinion that they get to express. Dave Chappelle gets to have the conversations and he wants. And you get to think if it's offensive or it isn't. Right. But I also think that people being outraged for – You're going to say for outrageous sake and you don't know that that's true. But it is at times true. When? Plenty of times. A lot of people on both coasts decide to be mad because it's easier to tweet about that to get clicks. A lot of people decide to be mad because it's popular. A lot All of people... right. There is a, a, obviously the tendency to overstate something to get attention uh, from like an outlet that depends on advertising it's money. That is a very real incentive. I get that. And I this get Joker that. thing is the, – the, my big problem with this Joker thing is it's getting people money for being mad and it's getting clicks I don't because... think that's it. I think there's real reactions to it. I think there's real questions to be asked and I think that's what's behind a lot of this. And you and I, we did right before air discuss, like, I bought tickets for this movie in an exit row. Uh, oh, okay. We're uh, taking this to a serious place. I mean, uh, I want to be, I want to be, like, we're talking about the Joker. Yeah. So, and and uh, I'm, I can't say I'm sick of the people around the Joker without having a perspective because that just makes me a hypocrite. If I'm going to have a perspective that is I'm sick of you, I should have a reason. I am mm. aware of the people that are driving me insane and I'm public about it because I've never experienced being like I'm done with this entire community mm. before ever. I've, I've, oh, I'm usually see, I'm like – I'm a fandom baby. I've been on the internet since the 90s. I'm, I've been here before. <laughs> but I, I, I'm usually way more patient than yeah. I am in this case. Like you know, I can usually endure whatever opinion I have. Like I had to en- – I was the one person at a screening that really liked Venom and I was able to stand outside for an hour and argue why I liked it with reckless abandon because it wasn't exhausting to me and it would have been for many people. This is the opposite where I'm like, I just want to see this movie before I have 3,700 opinions that I will probably disagree with but might agree with some of. But I won't be able to see this movie unobject – like I won't be able to see this movie blind ever. I won't mm. get that experience because of this cloud. I and can't part see of it the is cloud. that we have chosen to engage with a lot of that material. But the, we have the chosen... populace has chosen to, to bolster it. Mm. It's very popular to have that. And that's what I have a problem with outrage culture. It's popular to be outraged. It's popular to make it really, really in-your-face cloying because it distracts from the real world. That's part of what pop culture is good for, distract you. But on the flip side, what I was getting to is that I, I chose a seat that is in the emergency row because I am actively terrified that because of all this press around a shooting, there will be one. And that's awful. Okay, and that that is a a truly scary thing that is is difficult to contemplate. Obviously, uh, no movie would be responsible for an outcome like that, but it is difficult not to 
obviously worry. I can very much understand why uh, – and part of – Warner Brothers issued a statement that I thought was a pretty thoughtful one in response to some of the family members from Aurora. Uh, You know, we all remember as relatively recent history that there has been a tragedy in a movie theater and it happened, unfortunately, to happen at a screening of a Batman film. Uh, It doesn't doesn't mean anything to this, but you also can never fully predict how anyone is going to react to something. So uh, this is a morbid thing to put out there. We're just going to... As we do every week, hope for safety for everyone and hope for uh, a kinder, better, safer world. Uh, yeah. And I, I don't know. I just don't want to get too much into that because we can't it just, it guess. Was, it, we was can't the, it was in the breakdown. Yeah, I just yeah, wanted, yeah. To, I I wanted to mention I put it in the breakdown. It's in the news. I wanted <laughs> I to mention it, all these things. It's, it's a weird thing where like – yeah, there's so much to get into that. I, it was an interesting choice that they didn't invite journalists to the red carpet for the movie. Last minute. Uh, it was the day before. Very unusual, uh, which I thought was a strange thing because, it, like, it is, it's a movie. You, you want people to write about it and see it. Uh, it's also a Golden Lion winning movie. It's, a, yeah. it's also a movie that you want press around. And there haven't been a lot of press screenings. There haven't been – and maybe that's another reason is I usually – I want to see a movie before the world gets this messy about it. Maybe that's why I'm so aggravated this time is because I haven't seen it mm. and I don't feel like I'll ever get to watch the movie without thinking like, oh, I bet that offended blank or, oh, I bet this is going to be controversial. And I don't I – don't, I personally want to appreciate the art for what the person making it was making before I'm clouded by all of the people's opinions and especially when they haven't seen it yet. It's an interesting thing because the only reason that doesn't usually happen is that you tend to have press screening access, which most of the people listening to this show don't. Uh, so this is more of the normal way that people see movies these but days. We're, but we're, we're – our job is to talk about them without that cloud. Yeah. Like we see press screenings because we're press. Like it's a logical thing to be like I want to talk about it before the world because I want to have a perspective before it gets clouded. I can't be – authentically my voice because I know I'll be watching the movie going like, oh, that's going to be exhausting on Netflix. Oh, I mean, uh, that's going to be exhausting on Twitter. Oh, that's going to be a problem. And that usually isn't the case. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I'm i just struggling because I feel like the, the connectivity of people is causing the art side of things to be more difficult for the artists. And I feel like people's sensitivity is causing art to be much more neutered than it ever has been. Wow. I strongly disagree with that point. And, uh, I, and I know we have very different viewpoints yeah. on all that stuff. Like I, I like when things are, are a bit edgier than you. And I also like when things are uh, – I like when things are thoughtful. I don't, I don't always want everything to be thoughtful. Think your shit through. I, I, don't, <laughs> like, I think you lose comedy a lot of times when you – improv is fun for a reason. And you, okay. won't, you can never have 100 people in an audience and not offend one of them. And if you try to, then you're you're going to make a hundred people a little less entertained. You're positing uh, an idea that has merit, but has some real limitations. As I think you probably like oh, well in real life, we meet in the middle mostly on yeah, this. Yeah, hundred percent. But th- uh, this is one of those rare exceptions where, like, I'm at an eighty twenty split with you. With like, especially with like, I'm really cur- hoping I love this movie. Like, separately from the Joker, like I'm defending people's right to be uninterested in the Joker. I myself am dying to see it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like. It isn't, you know, I can't wait for us to get to really talk through what the movie is. And I hope that they were, it. I hope that they were prepared for these conversations to arise based on the choices they made in making this movie. I would expect that they would be because many of these were foreseeable questions and concerns. Sure. Uh, and of course, it is just a movie. Uh, I think that if you make choices, you should be prepared to talk about those choices uh, and, and expect to be asked about those choices. But it is just a movie. Right. 
And I, I think that we're, I think at the end we're going to land somewhere in the middle with all of this. It's it's just I think this is the first time we've ever had a movie where we've even had a conversation close to this because it is so exceptional. This amount of kickback is exceptional. This amount of conversation before a movie's out is unique to this film, and that's what I'm struggling with. Is I can't be uh, an appreciator of art without all of this clouding it, and that's my struggle. Hmm. I just want to see the Joker. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the time you're listening to this, he will be on his way tonight to see The Joker. Yes. Uh, I will also be trying to catch it before we film next week so we can have a conversation about the content of the film. Uh, and uh, moving on to – this is – OK. There is one person who wants to be outraged, who wants to have clicks, <laughs> who wants your hate mail, and it is J. Jonah Jameson. Perfect swing. <laughs> that was a, a home run tangent. That was amazing. It went over the green monster. I saw it happen. Of the dailybugle.net, I think, is what they're going oh, with man. there. Uh, and I'm excited because I haven't dug into this yet, but they have set up a viral site uh, for uh, J. Jonah Jameson reporting to promote the home video release of Far From Home, which I think is the coolest. Such good viral marketing. Uh, and since the Sony Marvel deal has been repaired, they have since taken off the thing that made MCU canon messy. <laughs> there was a, a story about uh, someone getting hurt in the snap on the Sony website and now that story is gone because the Sony Marvel deal's back. So even their viral website is trolling. I, I love that. They were like, yeah, we know it messes things up. Oh, you're back? Delete. <laughs> like they actually changed their canon. I didn't. I missed that. It just happened this morning. Like, oh, that's I, so I, funny. I just read it this morning. Like they actually like actively were like, okay, he's back. Fix it. <laughs> that's fascinating. Yeah, I had missed that element of it but I just thought this was a neat idea. I love that we can have something like this. Uh... The nerd world gives us gifts. It's amazing. As well as challenges. So Yes, and it does. Also, uh, thank you. Uh, you and I doing the show together, you, like the challenges of my perspective and your perspective, you were like one of the very few people I feel like I can have a civil conversation Aww. with that I know disagrees with me. Like Aww. actively disagrees with me and I can be like, no, no, we're going to talk about dick jokes and why they're important. You'd be like, no, it didn't need to be that sophomoric. I'm like, the whole point is sophomoric. And There's it a time and a place. And that, but that, I like that it never feels like it's going to be like, I will never speak to Amy again. Giant size is canceled. Corey like, doesn't know. Uh, I, I have have planned a series of horrible, elaborate pranks at his house. <laughs> this uh, is why I know Amy is moving to New York and she is no longer <laughs> doing this podcast. <laughs> that was the final straw. One-way ticket. Uh, so we have so much more to get through this week. We are very off the rails. Uh, but uh, let's start with TV. We have some things that are coming and going that are on my to-catch-up as soon as I get back from con list. Stumptown has officially hit the airwaves uh, to, it looks like, very good reviews. Uh, mm-hmm. The adaptation of the Oni comic about a private eye who lives in Portland and is a bit of a mess and is played by Kobe Smulders. Kobe should be in everything, and I'm glad she is. Have you had a chance to watch this one yet? I have not. Okay. Uh, I, I am catching up on many, many things, and this is now, I, I kind of like to watch shows like episodes at a chunk. I, I want to watch like one and two. Like mm-hmm. I want to be a little in. Uh, so I haven't watched This Is Us or this. So those are my two big fall shows, and I'm very excited about This is us coming back. You'll hear many derailed comments for the coming weeks of me somehow trying to relate comic books to This Is Us. That's beautiful. As you know on Heroes, sometimes that is the way. Uh, But this is my big new show of the fall. I'm very, very excited. Uh, so and and I just love like that's that's me beating the drum of did you know this is a comic? Have um, you seen the amount of comic creators all like talking about it though? Like I, I've seen like Rob Liefeld, Eric Larson, uh, just seeing comic creators commending Greg Rucka, like yeah. seeing Greg Rucka talking to them about his baby. Bendis has been praising. Seeing all of the people we read 
on Twitter, like, high-fiving each other has been delightful. It is really neat. Like, with Stumptown, with things like Rick Remender helping run Deadly Class, like, getting to see these adaptations that uh, that either involve or stay close to their creators is a really, really fun thing to be watching happen in 2019. Um, so more of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the Preacher finale of the final season has aired. Uh, I At some point, I'm going to binge the rest of Preacher, but talk about your weird projects that we never thought would make it to TV. And, uh, uh, like, we salute you, Preacher. You did it. You did the thing. That should have been impossible. Uh, one of my very favorite series that I haven't revisited in a while, but uh, we'll, we'll never forget the experience of reading through the Vertigo classic Preacher from Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon, uh, as now fully adapted for TV to a very confused worldwide audience. It's over and I'm still confused. Like, <laughs> it is a finale is done and I'm still like, wait, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg made a Preacher show? Four years my brain hasn't accepted this reality. I will say, if you are, I, I still haven't had a chance to watch it. I'm very sorry. Sorry, but if you're enjoying the boys, you definitely want to backtrack and check out Preacher. Uh, J- Joseph Gilgan's portrayal of Cassidy is – I've said this before and I stand by it – in the top ten ever casting comic book choices I've ever seen. <laughs> he falls into the Downey Jr. Ryan Reynolds. Like, Sometimes he is, you get it perfect. He is Cassidy and it's life-changing. If nothing else, watch it for that. Uh, speaking of people embodying a role in what will now be a, like, man, I never from day one would have been like, sure, this guy, Ollie Queen, but he is now permanently our Arrow, uh, Mm -hmm. and he is leading the charge of the final season of Arrow. Arrow season eight has a trailer out, uh, that will be a half season, essentially, to close out. We now know that not only is it not the end of the Arrowverse because all the other shows continue, but it is going to give rise to a Canary show, so it's not even the end of the Arrow part of the Arrow verse uh but uh, did you watch this trailer tinfoil hat theory yeah because of this trailer uh-huh he definitely dies in crisis oh yeah and the episodes after chronologically there's two episodes i believe after crisis yes. are the morning setting up canary the canary show at least one of these episodes is supposed to be like a soft pilot for the canaries show for sure i think the second to last episode the penultimate episode is going to be a, a soft pilot for canary because he dies in crisis and then the last episode is going to be like a big superhero funeral and they have, they have to get him in there somewhere somehow. So I'm not sure, like, maybe there'll be timeline shenanigans or, or a final message or bottle episodes or something. Because, like, fully two episodes that are not a two-part finale post that happening is going to be an interesting thing to manage. But you're right that, like, I do feel like that's how everything has to go. Yeah. Um, there's a lot to cover in those two hours. A, a backdoor pilot and the end of a nine-year running show. Nine? Nine years? Nine-year running show? I'm trying to – I feel like oh, sorry. we – Oh, season eight. eight yeah. Number eight uh, is right in front of me. But, uh, I, God, we had re- we had heard something about one of the episodes being a backdoor pilot, and I don't know whether it's one of the pre-crisis mm. episodes. <laughs> pre-crisis. Uh, oh, my uh, God. It's real. For comic book fans, pre-crisis has a whole meaning. And also uh, the fact that that's canon for a show. That's like – we just oh, – it's so cool. Uh, but – so, yeah, I don't know when they will do the sort of like soft pilot version of that. I assume they want to leave us off with that like strong flavoring of that, whether it happens in one of those two or in one of the ones before the crisis. But, yeah, it's almost here. They got a lot to wrap up. They have a, a now iconic performance that they're going to be putting to bed uh, and just big claps 
big applause for all of you for for all the incredible hard work that went into this. Like, I, I, safe to say, very unexpected cornerstone of the DC universe. It started an entire universe that now is culminating in us getting back iconic actors from the early 2000s, mid-2000s today. Like, I never thought I'd see Tom Welling and Erica Durance again. Because of Arrow, I am. And that's yeah. so crazy to Thank think you, about. Thank you, Oliver Queen. Eight years ago, uh, I was a member of the LA Fitness outside of Arclight Hollywood, which has this <laughs> amazing... Uh, this this makes sense. Uh, it has this, this amazing... This is a gym outside of a theater. And there's a, b- a billboard area where they always put the biggest billboard it's like i would say reasonably it's a it's a 30-story building and it's a 20-story billboard it's one of the biggest billboards in la it was an oliver queen uh shirtless billboard like remember the first season one promo where he's all like battle ravaged Mm -hmm. and like cut up that was hanging outside of my gym the gains i got because of Stephen amell shredded as ollie queen the amount of times i would just stand in front of that window curling an extra set out of oliver queen rage so now to this day when i think of arrow i'm like i gotta thank him from the calorie deficit homie did me some justice i appreciate it but that was that was a show i thought would be one season because that 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 poster i was like oh it's gonna be birds of prey it's gonna be this little flash in the pan it will be something we remember and talk about remember when they tried to do a green arrow show eight years later seven shows crossovers giant spinoffs and uh thanks for the gains ollie thanks for the gains yeah so we talked about some of the folks who were joining for crisis we talked about ryan troy the adam did you see gail simone's thread about uh how excited she was with this casting i love gail simone on twitter so much and every so often she likes a hero's thing and i'm always like oh she's aware of us because I'm aware of her. <laughs> it's it's the best. She's so her Deadpool is amongst the best Deadpools ever, and I love her Domino. And I, who knew that her Jesus. Deadpool was basically autobiographical, which you can now <laughs> figure. I mean, when you read like, her tweets, the she joy fast food. of uh, oh, it's it's madness. I will say, like always, read around for context before you reply to a Gail Simone tweet because they are <laughs> usually jokes. Just so you know. Gail Simone trolling fast food restaurants at each other through their food items and through what comics they're reading is a Deadpool move. <laughs> Gail Simone, thank you for being Deadpool. So, vaguely connected to Deadpool uh, in that it is in the the might-have-been category. <laughs> we got some... One of these articles where, like, I'm not sure whether this is news or someone just being like, now is the time I'm asking this question. Um, we did get one piece of definitive news this week about Marvel TV, uh, which was that the Ghost Rider show we were looking forward to on Hulu as part of the Adventures into Fear set of horror-themed shows is apparently not moving forward. The report says that there is a creative impasse. Uh, we don't... Obviously, we're not in those rooms. We don't really know what's going on. Uh, but it was I'm guessing that was the inspiration for a variety article that was sort of talking about uncertainty with the Marvel TV universe because right now the only two shows that we know we have seasons coming up for are our precious runaways yes, our babies, yes, yes. Our babies. Uh, and cloak and dagger our other teen uh, precious babies uh, which we know like so those those shows are basically current we know runaways has another season I, I don't know if we've heard whether cloak and dagger is coming back mm. but they at least have like a they are a recent tv concern we know shield has one more season before it wraps up and we in theory know that a bunch of animated shows are coming uh, but other than that all of the tv news that we talk about lately is from the marvel studios side which is a different wing of the organization that works separately from Marvel TV. So what do you think? Uh, one, I think that Ghost Rider is in the comics a whole lot more right now. Ghost Rider has a new number one coming out this mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. Ghost Rider is an Avenger. Ghost Rider has multiple Ghost Riders appearing in the Avengers. He's had an entire arc. Ghost Rider is getting a movie. 
This is you canceled think- because the MCU wants Ghost Rider. Oh. I think there's no way they were like, it'll confuse people if a different actor plays them on the show. And they're they're restructuring everything to be more Disney Plus and movie-based. We've known that. I don't think there was ever going to be an MCU Runaways crossover. I don't think there was ever going to be an MCU Cloak and Dagger crossover. So those things are safe on Hulu. But mm-hmm. I think that th- there was a very clear line in the sand where Netflix could only say the incident. There was a lot of times that Marvel – Netflix never was – it never felt shared. It right. felt shared amongst itself. Right. And Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was always like chasing timelines. Yeah. So I feel like this is a very smart move. I got I got a lot of angry people on Twitter because I said I thought it was a smart move. Mm-hmm. And I respect all your opinions. I, I'm not – like I get where you're coming from. In my coy opinion, I think this is great because now it's way more cohesive. And then you can have Runaways and Cloak and Dagger be separate and you can put more money towards – Netflix shows, if they had a little bit more budget, could have been a little different. Like, when they had to cut away from Jessica Jones jumping and things, I feel like if they're doing Disney+, Plus, they might have more money allocated. They talked mm. about budget in this and all those things. So I think it's a great opportunity to do less but do more. So I, I'm in full support of this. I think it's a great idea. Do you still expect to see all those animated shows? Yes. Do you still expect to see Damien Hellstrom? No. Okay. I think Damien Hell. I think the the supernatural elements they were doing mm-hmm. are going to be brought into the big screen. I mm-hmm. think Blade, I think Blade and the reaction ushered in Ghost Rider, which is going to usher in all the things. I think we're going to get a supernatural cinematic or Disney Plus element instead of letting it be on TV where Feige has less control. At the end of the day, Kevin Feige runs this corner of the MCU, and I think he wants all of his toys. He just got extra <laughs> Fantastic Four back. Why would he be like, mm, I'm not going to put Tic Tac Ghost Rider? And, like, I think it's just – he's just – the sandbox he has earned is being used. <laughs> I I hope that that is – I hope that that's what this leads to. Uh, I am sad for Gabriel Luna and for the many yeah. folks who enjoyed that performance uh, because it seemed like a particularly cool thing to spin that character off in that way. But it did – raise questions of like how does this work long term what does it lead to uh and look we i'm expecting all this stuff to splinter again eventually but for a while if we do have one cohesive marvel universe i'm kind of with koi i think that could be really fun if we have like five years of our one little offshoot is the runaways and they're called the runaways then that kind of works for me (laughs) now it, it uh you know the runaways if they can secretly, like, smush them back into canon and have a runaways running around in the wider Marvel universe, I would love that very much. Uh, in the same way that if we ever get another take on Jessica Jones, having her run around in an interconnected Marvel universe will let them do the, the only things that I really missed from that show, which was all of the, like, behind-the-scenes, deep-cut Marvel mystery-solving that was possible in the books but just was not possible with their setup. She was a detective within the MCU, and that felt so different than her being a detective, like a PI on her own corner. Yeah. Now, granted, the things they accomplished with that show are precious to me. The Wizards in that show. (laughs) The Wizard. People forget. No, Jessica Jones is damn near perfect. And and Matt Murdock, now he's going to have the opportunity to team up with Jennifer Walters. Now now there's opportunity, and that's why I think it's worth the loss. Uh, Daredevil is in my top five MCU property adaptations. Like, it's up there with Winter Soldier and Guardians for me. But now, if you give it some time to let the dust settle and throw some more money at it, I think it could be even more special. We don't know what we'll get in terms of casting. We don't know what to hope for there. It seems like this. there's a reason he's saying Matt Murdock will be back and yeah. not our version of Matt Murdock because we just don't know I about love, that I love all three of those seasons. I just don't see them playing with that kind of continuity. Uh, but we can dream and I will. 
And it will be exactly like comics where you'll be like, I loved this run of it and I also loved this later run. Mm-hmm. That's how it's going to be. Uh, welcome to the world of comics. Thank you for joining us in comic book fandom. It consists of a lot of, wait, which Ghost Rider? And if you look back at Ghost Rider and the Fox shows, those things do exist still. That is a different run. And Daredevil <laughs> with Ben Affleck still exists. Different run. So every, there will be highs and lows. We just got to see what happens. Weird thing, uh, I guess this is a good sign that they are going to use them in the big screen movies, but it is funny to have all these conversations and not be like, when is Kevin Feige announcing an X-Men show? Uh, I am dying. I knew. <laughs> I thought D23. We've all – Kevin. They need, these things take time. He they just do. made Endgame. And I know like, and I want it to be ago. good. I can be patient. I, no, I can't be patient. But I can we, know why I should be patient. Yes. More accurate. <laughs> All right, we do have some more amazing news. Uh, Another, much like Kevin Feige, there are other geniuses in the world of comics, and we get to sort of certify one more uh, because in comic book news this week, an amazing creator named Linda Berry is the recipient of one of the recipients of this year's MacArthur Foundation grant, which is informally known as the Genius Grant, which is basically someone writing a big old check if you are just a super awesome creative who deserves to not have to worry about bills for a little bit. <laughs> you um, are smart. Here's some money. It's an amazing thing to exist. Uh, I love – it has been given to some of my favorite creators in the past and – uh, many of you might not be familiar with Linda Berry's work. She is an incredible cartoonist and educator. And oddly, like, her books are so smart and so funny and so constantly surprising. She also has uh, books where she has collected her teaching material, which will change your whole perspective <laughs> on creativity. There's a book called What It Is, uh, which is – it looks like messy notebook pages, but something about the way that she illustrates messy notebook pages will just unlock all these keys in your brain. Hell She'll just yeah. be like, here's a question, and you'll be like, the universe is opening <laughs> up to me. Oh, my God, creativity is descending from the heavens to talk to me directly. Uh, so I'm very, very excited that Linda Berry uh, has gotten the Genius Grant uh, this year, and I think it is really cool. And it is a nice general week. Of comic books getting some respect. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you see this next item. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> this we- made me so happy. This would be like a headline, uh, like on any show. This is amazing. Yeah. We have been having a very dramatic couple of years of uh, being cranky as comic book fans because for several years, the New York Times was running a graphic novels bestseller list. And then a couple of years ago, they shut it down, sort of unceremoniously. They were like, we'll just have more coverage of comics in general. And it's sort of arguable whether they did or didn't come through on that. But uh, we do know that – and I – okay. I'm going to combine it with this next one because this week we learned that the graphic novel bestseller list is coming back to yeah. the New York Times. Uh, victory for comics everywhere. There will be full lists monthly of bestselling comics, which means creators can put bestselling on the front of their things. They can use it as a marketing tool. It helps if you're working in libraries and other settings to sort of – justify buying comics. It helps everybody. It's, it's selling comics. It puts a spotlight where it belongs and uh, it also means we have an official chart to measure just how much Raina Telgemeier ruled the world. <laughs> People often outside of the industry are like, why are award shows so important? Why do we like toot your own horns in the arts. It's because people are overwhelmed if you don't know the world. People Mm. don't know how to start. If there's 500 movies a year, how do you decide which ones you go see? So when it's Oscar season and there's 30 movies, that's a little better. When there's one movie that wins Best Picture, a lot of people will see that one movie that's Best Picture. This gets to do that for comic books every goddamn month. We get people that might not have been, people that might have been intimidated, people that might have avoided it, people at libraries that have been trying to tell their boss they need comics and they're like, well, blah, blah, blah. Now they can give them a list. They can show 
them their best sellers. It is the best. Like, I was so happy. I'm thrilled by this news. We have hoped for this for a long time. And uh, just to cement the awesomeness, this week, uh, Raina Telgemeier's Guts, which we talked about last yeah. week on our pull list, is not just the best-selling graphic novel in the world this week. It's the best-selling book in the United States. That's incredible. I think this comes from a Publishers Weekly chart. I'm reading this from Comics Beat, The Beat, at ComicsBeat.com. Heidi McDonald put this together. Uh, it the second best-selling book this week, The Institute by Stephen King. You might have heard of him. Uh, which sold apparently 49,000-ish uh, units for a total of 158,000. Uh, the first best-selling is Guts, which according to these book scan numbers, whichever – like this is going to be a partial survey, but it's what they go by. At least 76,000 copies in its first week for Raina Telgemeier's Guts. Uh, they did I, – I think I heard they did a first printing of a million copies of this book. It is truly astounding. It will keep selling forever. And I wonder if New York Times was like, oh, man, we're just going to have to put Rain at the top of every chart for a year. Let's make the graphic novel chart again. <laughs> I love that point. Like, it's just she's here. And then, like, Malcolm Gladwell's four. Like, this is <laughs> Margaret Atwood is fifth. Guys, comic books are number one above Malcolm Gladwell and Stephen King. I just I – mean, and Dave Pilkey. I don't know him, but great. He's I, also doing semi-comics. Oh, so it's he? actually uh, uh, – like, it's – his Dogman books, uh, I'm trying to remember. His Diary of Your Wimpy Kids oh, are mostly, yeah. He's the Captain Underpants guy. Dogman is more comics, but it's like these adorable comics as if written by an elementary schooler. Um, oh. They're like, uh, they're real cute. They're so, real cute. Two of five of the bestsellers are comic adjacent or comic. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Deal with it. We run the world. Um, <laughs> I'm just excited. Look, it's great. Uh, speaking of- <laughs> We, I, I we don't have time for this We week. don't have time for Hawks and Pox this week, but y'all, catch up. Uh, can I just say briefly, the last issue of Powers of Ten mm-hmm. where they describe something uh, – light spoilers, I have to say it because I've been dying to talk about it all week. They – spoiler, spoiler – talk about God in a way I've never considered. It's not even a spoiler because they will never see that coming. Fair. Okay. They talk about God in a way I've never considered and it sent me – I like did the thing where I put my book down, still reading it, like open, where I was like not done yet and I went – and I leaned – you can't see me. I leaned back and I stared up at the sky for like 12 minutes, like an inordinately long time of pondering the cosmos because of an X-Men comic. Now, for me, this one was also a turning point, but it was because I got to have a character-on-character conversation that suddenly pulled me so deep into what's going on because I have been sitting here being like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And finally, there was an in-conversation like in character conversation where a character went, what are you doing? And it was like, it didn't change anything about what they're doing, but it was like, oh, you got me. You got me because I kind of get it. And now I just got to see what's happening. And uh, I have so many questions. We only have two issues. Two issues, one this week and one next week. By the time, like two weeks from now, this will be done. Powers of 10 number five is my favorite issue so far. Hard stop. That blew my mind. Mm. Both of those moments were like, Highlights. It's been it's been a really fun process. Uh, all being on board this uh, wild ride of Hawks and Pox. Uh, anything from the pull list that we didn't get to? It's Bizarre Adventures number one, House of X number six, Grendel Devil's Odyssey number one, Batman number eighty, and the final volume of the Wicked and the Divine. I will say also that uh, the new Kieran Gillen comic with Stephanie Hans Die has a new issue out this week, and you know that is on my personal pull list. Yeah, I, I will say this week was a really difficult to pick two. Uh, we talked about them briefly on Heroes and. 
we're running out of time, but there's so many good comics this week, and I'll, I'll personally tweet what I'm picking out because there's so much. There's so much more, and there were like no fewer than three amazing graphic novels I'm looking forward to this week. Tilly Walden uh, is a YA creator who has a brand new one out this week. Mm-hmm. Jen, uh, I think it's Wang, it might be Vong, uh, it, who the author of Prince and the Dressmaker has a new one out this week. That is an award-winning uh, Prince and the Dressmaker took home all the awards because it was incredible. She illustrated it in real life, which was amazing. And there is one by Gabby Dunn uh, called Barry the Lead that I'm really – all three of those hit this week. There's also this week a crossover between Immortal Hulk and Absolute Carnage. That's Come how good on. this week is. I couldn't put that on there. Absolute Carnage, Immortal Hulk, number one. Flash Giant, number one. All these giant size things we've been talking about, the 100-page monsters, like killing it, number one. Uh, so there's, there's many things that you should definitely be checking out. And uh, Spider-Verse, number one. There's a lot of good books this week. Yeah. We didn't even have time for Spider-Verse number one. Like, that's how dense this five is. Uh, let's see. So we do have some amazing Twitter questions. We'll just do them as shout-outs this week. Uh, thank you, Kevbro18, who says kids today are getting the best Halloween costumes. So true. Uh, because spotted some of those Marvel Rising costumes in the wild for Squirrel Girl, Ms. Marvel, and Ghost Spider, a.k.a. Spider-Gwen. I'm jealous. Uh, they just don't, they don't know how good they have it. And they don't uh, fit me. I've tried. <laughs> and uh, okay, more saga love. Slowly converting friends. Says Zen in music. Thank you very much for your dedication. Travis Schaefer at the Ryan C Project uh, says just <laughs> finished so good. chapter four of saga. WTF is this? It's like the creatures of Narnia thrown in the universe of Star Wars, written by Shakespeare. I think, but dude, this book nerdgasm. Thank you. Which is a beautiful blurb. For That's Saga. how I feel when I read it too. Yep. So this is it's a beautiful, beautiful way to sum up that book. <gasps> that is so. I've I've talked about this book multiple times, and I still find new ways to describe it because it's still developing in my mind after I'm done reading it. It huh. may show up in the Kevin Smith episode of Comic Book Shopping now playing. Heck yeah! He might have gotten the giant compendium, and he might have freaked out. So we'll talk about it. Good, Partis. Uh, uh, hold on, Jesudison. I think that's a cool uh, name. It's a great name. Uh, says, and I'm just throwing this in because we don't have a ton of time, and I'm not sure whether you've had a chance to check it out, Koi. But please talk about the Teen Titans Go versus Teen Titans crossover movie. Wait, is it Koi? the old animation and the new one? Like the yes, old, what? The all the same voice actors doing both sets of Titans. When did this come out? It's uh, digital right now and coming to DC Universe in a couple weeks. It, going I missed from memory all of on this. this. I just came out on digital. Okay, just because um, I saw Teen Titans Go in the theaters twice. I didn't know like what, and then the end button. What? Koi, it's so good. I it's have okay, so, so good. we haven't talked about it because I didn't know. We will now because I got a week to watch it. Yeah, oh my yeah, yeah. god! Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, Thank you, Perry Party. It's, uh, I mean, like, full disclosure, I work for DC Universe, but also, it's impossibly good. Oh, that sounds perfect. <sighs> Ohio Jones uh, gave one of my favorite comments this week. <laughs> Spider-Man, Schmider-Man, who has the amalgam film rights, or amalgam, however that word is said. I think it's amalgam? Uh, I, sure. Amalgam, I agree, good sir. I once fan-casted all the amalgam, or a lot of the amalgam characters. I won't it do beautiful. it now, but yep. it's it's out there on the internet. And if you thought uh, Marvel and Sony was complicated, try to imagine making <laughs> these films. This was, of course, the... Uh, uh, result of the DC Marvel crossover in the 90s, which was formative for a lot of us as kids and resulted briefly in a mashup universe called Amalgam or Amalgam. I, I'm going to get used to it. I don't – I think this is one of those like things that I – Like an amalgamation? Amalgam? Right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I was a child and I read all these books and I have never been able to figure out how Battle that Revenge. Yeah, I understand. Battle Revenged. Uh, all the damage. Imagine if it's someone obscure like New Line or Miramax, like someone you wouldn't expect to own it, like an offshoot of Disney. 
<laughs> like someone actually owns like, it. It's like, Turns out someone signed some paperwork in 1997. They didn't notice it said that. And now, you know... Uh, who's the weirdest person that could own this? We've got this A24 contract. Yeah, Apparently, uh, A24 owns. They're like, we're going to do a $4 million indie film of the Amalgam Universe. Someone will stare at a window and soulfully think about what might be happening. Directed by Sofia Coppola comes the Coy Amalgam Universe. and I Universe. will go the first day. Oh, we should. I we mean, will see it 60 times. <laughs> it's all like hand puppets and like really low budget. There's like oh, a, like it's they like a live stage. It? Yeah, because like, it's a $4 million that? budget. What movie does Sweden Behind come Rewind? from? Thank you. Yes. yes like a Sweden amalgam universe and it's like dark claw bub and it's a guy in a batman suit with just wolverine stuff drawn on it like now i want it to happen like spider boys played by andrew garfield in a Superboy outfit oh oh no today's episode has been so good for horrible derailments that is an amazing idea thank you for listening to extremely on topic hugh jackman doing a christian bale accent as dark claw he has to sing though he has to sing dark claw should have a song obviously Oh my god. And the Amazon is played by Gal Gadot and like it's play like when she transforms it's both actresses. Aww. So Gal Gadot and whoever Storm's going to be, yeah. they both play the Amazon. That'd be so cool. They just seamlessly tag in and out of scenes, but sometimes they're accidentally both in the shot. Which totally works for Wonder Woman. That's definitely a thing. Oh my god, I want this movie. <laughs> So that is our sweaty question of the week. Thank you so much for making our minds uh, race in that particular direction. <laughs> I am off to New York Comic Con. Koi is holding down the fort in L.A. Uh, next time you hear from us, we will have seen the trailer for Birds of Prey, and we will have seen the Joker. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we'll see. Uh, we'll see what the world looks like next week because so much is going to change the world of comics. But until then, stay, stay sweaty. sweaty. Stay little chico, pit bull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary.